Hey there, it's Dr. Nazanin Mo'oli, and I want to chat with you about a key ingredient for a fabulous date night, feeling sexy. And come on, let's be real. What you wear plays a big part in how you rock that confidence. That's why I'm thrilled to introduce you to Quince. Quince brings you premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts starting at just $30, along with washable silk tops, 40-carat gold jewelry, and more. And guess what? All of their goodies are priced 50 to 80% lower than similar brands. By teaming up directly with top factories, Quince skipped the middleman and hands us the saving. Plus, they stick to factories with safe, ethical practices and top-notch fabrics and finishes. How awesome is that? Picking from Quince's website was tough because they have a ton of fabulous choices. I ended up going for their 100% washable silk sleep dress in champagne. And let me tell you, my husband was floored. He's convinced whoever rocks this is in for a blast. I'm going to record some content on that dress so you can see how fabulous is that dress. Elevate your date night style with Quince. Pop over to quince.com slash sexology for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's quince.com slash sexology to get free shipping and 365-day returns. quince.com slash sexology. Welcome to Sexology, a podcast that untangles the science of sex and pleasure. And now, with this week's episode, your host, clinical psychologist, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Welcome to Sexology Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Nazanin Moali. I cannot wait to dive into our conversation today with Dr. Piper Grant. Uh, we're going to talk about healing for women after sexual betrayal. I'm excited about the topic, but I'm also excited to have this conversation with my friend Piper. I know her throughout my graduate program. The first time I saw her was in a workshop around sexuality and all throughout years, I've seen how passionate she is about psychology of sex and helping people expand, explore various aspects of their sexuality. And we shared some clients and I even didn't disclose that to her yet. And But they always talk about how much they love her. So this is definitely a, a treat to have her on our show today. We talked about erotic recovery after infidelity in episode two. So if you haven't listened to that one, uh, please go ahead and check that out. We're going to go deeper in this topic and we're going to focus on women, not because men are not suffering through infidelity and sexual, they're not experiencing sexual betrayal. I'm going to focus on women because A, that was something that a couple of our listeners requested. And also I know Dr. Piper Grant worked with their population in various stages of recovery. She had groups and workshops for women. So I thought this would be a perfect topic to talk to her about. So Dr. Piper Grant is a licensed clinical psychologist, sex therapist, certified sex addiction therapist, and founder of NUMI Psychology. 
She has extensive experience working with couples and individuals in healing ruptures within their relationship, overcoming sexual dysfunction, deepening their intimacy, and rebuilding a strong foundation within their relationship. She specializes in working with individuals and couples on issues related to sex, intimacy, and trauma. Although based in Los Angeles, California, Dr. Piper seeks to reach individuals and couples internationally in recovery from sex addiction and healing from sexual betrayal by hosting retreats in Bali for women who have experienced sexual betrayal and couples in recovery from sex addiction. These are the only retreats hosted in Bali that are tailored to help couples and individuals on issues related to sexual betrayal and hosted by a psychologist and CSAT. Here is my conversation with Dr. Piper Grant on healing for women after sexual betrayal. Welcome back to another episode of Sexology Podcast. As I mentioned during the introduction, I am super excited to have Dr. Piper Grant, licensed clinical psychologist and a sex therapist, in our show today. Piper, welcome to our show. Thank you. I'm so excited about this today. I am so glad that you accepted my invitation, and I know we're close, so would that be okay if I call you Piper instead of Dr. Grant? <laughs> it's much more comfortable for me, actually, because then it doesn't make me feel weird. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. So I shared with our listeners in our introduction that you have this fantastic workshop, and you, ha- you work in the field of sex as a sex educator, sex therapist for a number of years, and I am so excited to talk about sexual betrayal, especially we're going to focus on women today. So tell us a little bit about your experience working with individuals and couple after they discover sexual betrayal. Yeah, so my work is a little bit broad kind of in this realm is because I do work as a sex therapist, and then I'm also a certified sex addiction therapist. So I just say that because I kind of see the whole range and the whole gamut, right? So I work with couples and individuals that um, are maybe in relationship, whether that be married or just dating. Uh, And maybe there's just been an affair and it's not a reoccurring event, right? Or maybe there's just been an infidelity of some sort. And then I obviously see the whole range into compulsive sexual behaviors as well, where it's something reoccurring, very harmful, uh, damaging to self and damaging to the relationship. So it's interesting because just seeing the range also, you just see people at so many different stages of life as well. I see couples as young as early 20s. And yet I see couples and individuals as well as late, I think as late 70s, even early 80s. Uh, So this is something I think that it's important to recognize impacts us through a lifetime. We might think it happens at only certain stages in relationship or certain ages. And yet I, uh, like I said, I've seen everybody from college students to great grandparents, basically. That is so awesome. And I love to hear about your breadth of the experience because not, I don't hear many psychologists and therapists 
who have the both background in sexual addiction and also sex therapy. And having those two different background, it's helpful. It's very helpful. So I can imagine that you, as you mentioned, you've seen number of different challenges around betrayal and presentations. So what are some of the common emotion that you see women might experience uh, after they discover the sexual betrayal? Yeah, so this is a this is a really interesting thing too. Um, and I'm going to kind of put this as like a little bit of a caveat even before we go further into the conversation is that anything that we talk about, I'm probably going to be giving like a generalization, but the really interesting thing about sexual betrayal, and we could actually apply this to so many different things in our life, but the interesting thing about betrayal in general is that it triggers, it can trigger different um, emotions in people. And that can be based on whether it be past events, it can be based on something from childhood, it could be based on thoughts, values, and belief systems. And so everybody responds to I'm going to say betrayal and then sexual betrayal so differently. And also, even when you see people that maybe have experienced multiple betrayals, they might talk about how they responded differently based on the betrayals. So for instance, I've had a client, um, I've had multiple clients that uh, maybe have experienced different sexual betrayals. And they might say something along the lines of, you know, when this happened to me the first time with this partner, I left the relationship immediately. I was done. I was so angry. And yet now they're maybe in a, in a different relationship and they've experienced sexual betrayal and they find themselves wanting to stay in the relationship, work on it. Maybe they're not as anger, angry, but they have like sadness. So I, I just bring that up because I also want to highlight for listeners that even though I'm talking about things generally, they might have experiences where they say, whoa, that's just totally not my experience. And that's that's very true, you know, because it ranges for everybody. But some of the common emotions that we might see in women, it starts with disbelief or shock, right? So it's this feeling of, I didn't even see this coming. I could have never imagined this happening to me and, or I could have never imagined that person doing that to me, you know, and which is interesting because it also highlights that people might hold stereotypes or notions of quote unquote, who is a cheater, right? Or who is somebody that's going to betray you. And so often you might be like, I never imagined, or you might hear like, I never imagined that person doing that to me. And that could be based on their ideas or held notions of who that person quote unquote might be, or, um, you know, something that that person said to them. So you see shock and disbelief uh, is very common in the beginning. And then you can move into stages such as like anger. Um, And that's where it can be a low amount, a little amount of anger all the way to rage possibly. And you need to really be conscious of that. Like where is the anger being directed? So the anger can be outwards. It could be towards the partner that uh, betrayed them. It could be actually inwards. So I sometimes see women be angry at themselves, such as, you know, I, my friends told me or so-and-so told me not to trust him. And sorry, that's a very heteronormative. If, if I go between it, might, I might be talking more about a heterosexual relationship, but obviously this can go um, all ways. But there can be a lot of anger maybe of like, you know, they told me not to trust that person or I knew I felt in my gut like something was wrong and yet I didn't do anything. So you can see anger going also inwards. And it can also go outwards towards the person, the affair partner, if I can put it like that. So the person that their significant other cheated on them with. Uh, and anger, again, can be wanting to hurt somebody. Like, I mean, violence or like hurt uh, objects, like people wanting to slash tires or smash things. 
or it could really just be an anger where you're just seething. Another other emotions that I see sometimes is obviously sadness and a lot of tearfulness. And that can, again, have a range. You can have sadness all the way into depression. And that is really on your opposite spectrum of anger. Although I'd like to say that they're very related and similar. One just tends to be more outward and one is uh, more inward. So when I see sadness, again, you can have sadness about self, sadness about others, uh, but it's obviously this melancholy. It's a ongoing, just, uh, you know, that heaviness. And I think we all can relate to sadness, what sadness feels like. And that really has to do with, uh, again, related to the disbelief, but also the sense of betrayal, right? So there is, it's called sexual betrayal or cheating. And, and the betrayal is what really kind of can feel to even people like a stabbing, right? We, we say sometimes a stabbing in the back. And so that is, uh, I would say, the most common uh, emotions that I see in women. And I think it's such a fantastic point that you mentioned that sometimes the anger and disbelief can be outward and inward because it can be confusing for so many people when it impacts their own self-image, their, their understanding of themselves. Do you see that when women kind of experience and discover sexual betrayal, does it impact their self-image and their sexuality? Definitely, definitely. But you said something, and, and I want to get to that, but you said something actually that made me think about like the outwards versus the inwards. Can I say something on that? I would love Again? that. Yeah, sure. Okay. So you made me think about something, how it varies for people versus the outward and inwards. And I think that's important because especially women, they tend to reach out a lot more than maybe men. And so they might be more open with their friends or support systems about having been cheated on. And something that I see is like, let's say a woman is feeling more inwards, right? So she's feeling more sad. She might be angry at herself. She might be sitting with friends who are saying, you need to be mad at him. Like, why aren't you mad at him? You know, you should, and, and I just, I want to highlight that because you just made me think about that of like how also we can shame each other or feel shame when we're in that position because we might not have the same experiences of emotions that maybe other people are having, right? Or it could be the opposite of people, you might be super outward, maybe you've been betrayed and you're super outwards and super angry. And people are saying, you know, like you need to look at yourself, like you should be, you know that I told you, da da da, you shouldn't trust him. And, and, and I just, I don't know, when you said that, it just made me want to highlight that respect for each person has their different processes. And it's true, like somebody might be outwards and somebody might be inwards. And so thank you. I just wanted to like comment on that. No, bit. and I think, yeah, that's very accurate because I, people somehow have this image that there is a right way of grieving or right yes. way of doing like expressing some kind of emotions. And there's nothing like a, there is no right way. And it's just a matter yeah. of what works for the person. Totally, totally. And so I know you asked me about the the self-image and so how it might impact their self-image. One of the things that I tend to see a lot, and, and this is more, again, I'm seeing clients in therapy, so they're a little bit more vulnerable and a little bit more honest, is I do, I see a decrease in self-confidence. I see this impairment in self-image. And that can often be because there's this idea that maybe I was cheated on because I wasn't X, whether that be beautiful enough, good enough, sexual enough, 
fun enough, whatever that, you know, blank is. So you definitely see an impairment or an impact on self-image, self-confidence, feelings of trust in self as well. Um, that's really interesting. As And I think something as women, we have these this innate uh, gut instinct, I want to say. We have this beautiful gift, I think, of having gut instinct. And what I believe that sexual betrayal sometimes takes away from women, not all the time again, but sometimes what it takes away from women is this lack and trust of self and lack of trust in that gut instinct. Because I will often see women say to me, you know, I had a feeling. I had a feeling and I just didn't trust it or I knew something was off and I kind of like put it on the back burner. And when they discover that there's been some type of betrayal, sexual betrayal, it's like, man, I didn't trust myself. And so not only has there been a break in trust with their partner, but there's almost been a breach in trust with self. And so that's also something that then impacts their sense of reality, their sense of who they are. And again, that then also impacts sense of confidence and their self-image. Uh, so it's this kind of big cluster ball of of feelings and then ramifications of those feelings, I think. And what a beautiful concept you mentioned of trusting your intuition. And I feel sometimes because of all the different kind of messages we got in, in the society and then all the doubt, it's so hard to get in touch with that feminine intuitive part of ourselves. So do you have any recommendation on how people can cultivate that and kind of give it a voice, give a voice to that? Well, I would say that us women need to even work on that, whether you've had sexual betrayal or not, right? Because like you're saying, it is, there's just something, it's, it's a passion inside of us women. And I want to say for the male listeners too, they also have gifts of this as well. And I think men need to access it in different ways than maybe women need to access it. But like for women, you know, it, it really comes back to beginning relationship with starting to rebuild relationship with yourself and betrayal of trust with self can come, uh, not only from sexual betrayal, but it can come in so many different ways. It can come in all the negative messaging that we say to ourselves. It can come in and not believing in ourselves, not knowing that we're worthy of anything, not valuing ourselves. So I believe that the way to kind of get back in touch with that feminine power and that feminine energy is re start starting with rebuilding relationship with yourself and that's starting to trust yourself, starting to value yourself. And that comes from focusing on yourself. So beginning to nurture yourself. And I know we talk about self-care and doing things of self-care, but I also don't think it needs to be these big things like, okay, I'm going to work out four days a week now because that's my self-care. But like, Sit with yourself, you know, sit in silence for 10 minutes and just be in your thoughts. It's interesting. I was driving today and uh, I was driving my car and I realized I was in the car by myself and I realized, oh my gosh, I've been driving for 25 minutes, no radio on, wasn't talking on the phone. And I was just in my thoughts. Now, somebody could probably tell me maybe I shouldn't be doing mindfulness exercises while driving because I should also be present and driving. But <laughs> it was this act of really... I don't know, checking in with myself, right? And kind of like, where am I? What's my body feeling? What am I doing in my life? And and I think those are uh, little exercises that we can start to do throughout the day to re-engage with self. And then also uh, the next kind of an, another piece, not the next piece, but another piece is I'm going to say, touch yourself and hold yourself. And by that, I mean it in a very in a very sensitive way. So I, I often ask women, like, what does your skin feel like? Do you know what your skin feels like? Like 
when you get in the shower and you're washing your body, are you aware of of what the soap feels like on your body, what the water feels like as it drips over your body, as it goes down your body, as it goes in the different parts and the crevices of your body. And those are just little tiny things. I mean, you have to take a shower and I hope you're taking a shower and you're bathing at some point in your life. And so while you're doing that, just take practices to step into yourself and really recognize and, and build a relationship with yourself. And from there, if you're building self-love with yourself and appreciation of yourself, you begin to value yourself. You begin to know that you are worthy of uh, love and appreciation and all of these things. So it might be a little bit of a transgression that we just like went down a little gentle. No, but I think, yeah, that that was very important. And that's important for people to kind of see, I think the mindfulness piece is very important because we are, sometimes it's just like we're constantly checked out. And if we're not Mm -hmm. tuning in with our emotions, even the grieving process can be challenging because people say, oh, I was okay. And they kind of get stuck in the state of disbelief and shock and they're not, Mm -hmm. they might not move forward. Definitely. Definitely. And that does happen. I mean, like you're saying, and I'm sure you see it too, like it, you can get stuck. And I think even like you're saying, you can get stuck in the different stages. You can get stuck in the shock and disbelief. You can get stuck in the anger. And it is very tied to the grieving process as well. The grieving steps, you can get stuck in the sadness or the, the uh, depression stage. And, and you're right, we need to move through those stages in order to be able to uh, continue forward. One thing that I often see in women is that they kind of express an experience of some libido change following the discovery of the betrayal. And sometimes their libido increases. So what what is a pattern that you're seeing? I am so happy that you actually brought that up because I, I see it both ways. And again, for women that experience an increased libido, I feel... My experience is that I feel like they have a lot more shame or confusion about it. So I'm so happy that you brought up the increased libido because I think we often want to think maybe, oh, sexual betrayal, decrease in libido, right? Sexual betrayal, like you don't want to be near that person. You're angry at that person. Get away from me, whatever. Break in trust, right? Because as women too, when we look at women's sexuality, trust. And, and psychological safety, and I don't mean you have to be in a committed relationship for this, but just like maybe trusting your partner, whomever, even if it's a one night stand or just having a sense of safety around the sexual experience uh, is very important to being sexual. And so we think when there's sexual betrayal, oh, there's a loss of trust. So therefore, there should be a decrease in sexual desire. Not always true, though, because libido is really interesting. We, our, our drive for sex, our desire for sex, actually, I want to say our desire for sex and having sex in a relationship can bring a sense of uh, security and intimacy between partners. And so when there's been a betrayal, the body and the mind might be like, well, how do I come back to a sense of security? How do I come back to a sense of feeling like this is my relationship, a safe relationship? Well, I have sex and then I temporarily feel like my relationship is secure. I've got intimacy. There's obviously a release of oxytocin, which is our cuddling hormone and our bonding hormone. And so definitely, I see that too. I see the increase in libido. I see some women that are like, we have never had this much sex ever in our relationship, you know, or it's like, we haven't had this much sex in years together. And 
it's confusing though, right? Because you're like, but I'm mad at this person. And yet when we're in bed together, I want to have sex with them. Really though, what we try and unpack that and understand it as again, it's just seeking safety in the relationship. And that's okay. There's no problem with that, right? So long as as it, they're a willing participant, I, I want to put that caveat, you know, unless there's a using of sex, like I'm going to use sex to keep them in the relationship, or I'm going to use sex to keep them attached to me. But I'm not necessarily talking about that. I'm actually just talking about the woman herself feeling an increase in libido and desire to have sex. And that can really bring a sense of, yeah, safety. And just, I, I want to say like a settling, you know, there can be a brief moment where it's like, ah, oh, okay, like, we're back to being together. Uh, so definitely not uncommon. What a thoughtful way of putting it, because I, I hear women, as you mentioned, sometimes they're coming to therapy and they feel shameful about wanting to be with their partner after discovering like what's go what was going mm-hmm. on for years. And it's now that you're talking about the attachment piece and putting it in perspective about securing the bond. That absolutely makes sense. Yeah. And but how confusing could it be? Right. Because it's just like. And, and then how do you tell, again, I want to go back to the social piece, because again, for women, social support networks, and they use their social support networks, like, how do you sit down with a friend, and maybe they're mad at your significant other, even, right? Like, I can't believe he or she betrayed you. And like, so then you sit down, and you're like, but by the way, we're like having the best sex of our life. And we've been having sex like three times every single day, you know, it's, it doesn't match. And the brain sometimes can't even make sense of it. Uh, but it is, it's just seeking safety and security in the relationship. Right. And something else that I see with some women is they continuously find themselves repeating the pattern of being with a partner that like sexually is unfaithful to them or they're not committed and they choose to leave the relationship. And shortly after what they see, they are in the same kind of they find themselves the same cycle. So Mm -hmm. how do you make sense of that? Okay, (laughs) And and I chuckle because it's true, right? Like there's this, sometimes you hear like, why do I keep attracting the same person? And I say that even amongst, you know, my girlfriends, I hear it like, you know, why does this, why do I keep attracting the same person? How I am in the same situation again and again and again. And again, as a therapist, what I do is I look at, okay, first, are you conscious of what the pattern is? So it's not just, I've attracted another person that's cheating on me, but let's like back up and let's look at like, what is the pattern of you getting in relationship? Where are you meeting these people that you're getting in relationship with? What are the red flags that you see early on in relationship that you are choosing to ignore? And not just the negative things. What are the positive things? Because we also also we we tend to focus on like the red flags, the, the negative parts, but let's look at it like why in the beginning initial phases of relationship are you attracted to this person what did you enjoy about this relationship what kept you going back to these relationships so looking at both of those to really understand the pattern so it's it's not just knowing oh i have a pattern and i'm attracting these this type of person but like unpacking it and deconstructing it and looking at what are the pieces of that pattern and then being conscious of that really being honest with yourself about who you are attracting so it's not like it just happened um, if it's if it's a repeating pattern, right? It's not like this is just happening, but there's something going on. So if you're conscious of it, you need to then catch yourself in it. And you need to be really truthful with yourself. And again, having those kind of honest conversations with yourself about like, I mean, I would say to myself, okay, Piper, here you are. 
Like you're at this, you know, you, you know, this feeling, like you've felt this feeling before you've seen this sign before. So let's take a step back. Let's look at like what's going on. Let's use our support systems. If we have some support systems in place, um, and let's just take a breather here at this stage, at this step where I'm kind of feeling this feeling again and look at, can I do it differently right now? Is there, is there something that I can do differently now? And so that comes from knowing the pattern though. And I think also then understanding why that's a huge question. Is it because there's a fear about uh, commitment and there tends to be maybe a gravitation towards people who are going to be less committed maybe, uh, or, you know, are, you know, kind of saying from the beginning, they don't want to be committed, but you choose to maybe ignore that. So could there be fears or concerns around something? And is there also pieces that maybe you're looking to fill? Are there voids that you're looking to fill? And I'm just going to say side note, that's why it comes back to self-love and self-appreciation. You got to fill and work on those voids yourself first uh, before you're looking for somebody else to fill those voids. Uh, so the, the why question is really important. And then lastly, there's that kind of age old saying of just laws of attraction, right? So if you are attracting somebody into your life and yet you're conscious and aware of not wanting to attract those people in your life and maybe you know a different type of person that you'd like to attract in your life or you're, you're like, I want to have a stable relationship and I keep attracting unstable people. You got to turn the mirror back and look at yourself and really think, am I stable though in my life right now? Am I that person who's able to commit? Am I that person who is able to be faithful, loyal, even the light stuff? Like maybe you want somebody who's more fun in your life and you're like, am I a fun person? Like how can I be a fun person on myself by myself? So being conscious of it, being aware of it, being able to be self-reflective about it, being honest with yourself, and then being able to know the why and make changes about that. I think it's very important, as you mentioned, to be aware of our pattern, because I think kind of awareness, as you mentioned, can be a huge game changer for many mm. people. Mm -hmm. But one thing that I noticed that sometimes we're unpacking all these things in therapy, and it comes to the fact that some of my especially younger clients, they say, okay, I know this is what's going on. It's just like, I'm just attracted to this kind of people. That's my erotic template. Template, yes. Do you think is it something that people can change? So it's interesting when we think about erotic template, because I think about erotic template as what sexually turned somebody on, right? So my erotic, like not my erotic template, but a person's, <laughs> not a self-disclosure here, but a person's like erotic template might be something like a, um, they get turned on by a feet, a foot fetish, or maybe they just like silk. They want to see their partner dressed in silk. I mean, there can be things like that. When I think about attraction to characteristics of a person, I believe, I, I do believe that that can change because Think about how we mature over a lifetime and how with, I, I mean, this I, I'm happy to self-disclose, people I was attracted to when I was 18 is, is very different than somebody I was attracted to when I was in my late 20s, right? Because I have matured over time. I took time to have self-growth. My interests changed, who I was changed, all of those things changed. So I do believe that our what we look for characteristically in a person can evolve over time. Now, there might be some core things that don't change, and that might be based on values and belief systems and things like that, right? But who we are 
when I'm thinking about attraction, I think about the characteristics of somebody. I'm not really even thinking about their physicalness, right? Just the characteristics of somebody. And I do believe that that can evolve over time. And I do believe because we, if you think about yourself, we evolve as people over time. That is such a great point because I'm, you're right. I think like, yes, I'm a little bit skeptical when it comes to erotic templates, but you're right. Mm -hmm. People can have different characteristics, like with different, I guess, like different kind of a, like a gift in different packages. So it doesn't mean. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. No pun intended. But But that's how I think. I might take that one one day uh, and use that. (laughs) (laughs) So it's good that you mentioned that as, and I agree that we evolve our interest changes and we can correct and change and evolve who are we attracted to and kind of fine tune and discover as we get older what works and what doesn't work. Yeah, because it's interesting. Like, and again, kind of going back to the age thing is like when I'm 18, you know, and looking for a partner, I'm not looking, I wasn't, for me personally, I wasn't looking for commitment, right? I wasn't looking for somebody to have as a life partner and commit to. I was looking for somebody to have fun with. And then as I got older and I was like, okay, now I'm looking for more stability, right? And I myself, because I was engaging and I had more of a stable life. So yeah, then that's why I always go back to the role of self. It's like, it's not on the other, it's not on these other people, you know, to, to be, to fit the mold of what we need in our life. It's like for us to really evolve and be the person that we need to have in our life and then look for somebody to match that and be on that level with you. So from what I'm hearing, and I know of your work, that you work with many women that are in the path from emotional recovery from sexual betrayal. So what are the, some of the steps that you recommend women to take when they start their journey of recovery? Mm-hmm. I, I, I think this is like such a good question because, again, I want to go back to like it is different for everybody, but one of the why I think this is such a good question is because you're actually talking about recovering from sexual betrayal. And why... I like to think about that is because sometimes what can happen is, and this is for men and women and anything that happens in our life, sometimes something's occurred and we just kind of want to like be in denial, ignore that it happened and keep on moving. Right. And yet maybe I am biased because I am a therapist, but the opportunity to process something and work through something, I really think is such a gift to be able to move forward in a healthy way and, and break pat and we're talking about patterns, like break patterns, right? And, and really look at why this is hap- why this happened and not just even why it happened, but because it's not even on you as the person that was cheated on. I'm not even saying it's on you that why this happened, but like, why are you experiencing these emotions? What are these emotions that you're experiencing and what do they mean to you? And then how can you process them and work through them? So maybe they're not triggered later down the line. So that's why I think this is a great question. And I, and I hope that women can feel comfortable seeking support uh, in recovery from sexual betrayal. And so I think support can look like therapy, obviously. And, but working with a therapist who understands sexual betrayal, and that doesn't have to be a sex therapist or addiction therapist, but just somebody that you feel comfortable with and that you maybe early on in there, if you don't already have an established therapist, that if you're looking for a therapist, that you tell them that you really want to focus on, on working through and processing this betrayal. And are they comfortable talking about sex and relationships? Super, super important. Um, engage your support system. Have some friends that you feel trusting of. 
Because just like we're talking about the grieving process, there is going to be times that it's bad and it's good and sad and mad. And like, do you have those few people that you can call on and just say, I'm having a bad day or I'm feeling so pissed off at them and I just want to like go over and do something. And your friend's like, don't, don't, don't. Like before you go and do something crazy, like come over here. You know, you just need those, those people that you can be honest with and genuine and authentic with. Journaling, always a recommendation that I make because I think writing engage, well, not I think, I know writing engages a different part of our brain. It engages our emotional center. But I think what it does is it allows us to process in a way that and, and access our emotions in a different way than when we have to verbally comprehend something and verbally articulate something. Um, so writing can be so important. A little side note, what I sometimes recommend to people is write with your non-dominant hand because it just engages your brain in a different way. And you don't need to make sense of it. You don't need to understand, like, look, you know, make sense of what you're writing. Just, like, play with it a little bit. And um, and, and journaling can be a really powerful tool because we also can go back and read it and you realize how far you've come. And I think that's a key piece as well because sometimes when, when you and I were talking earlier about getting stuck, right, and you're like, Am I still so angry with them or I'm still so sad or whatever? If you've written things down, you're able to go back and read them unfiltered and able to see like, wow, I've moved past that. Or like, okay, you know what? That was like so bothersome to me then, but now it's not bothersome to me as much anymore as it frequently anymore. So that gives us a nice check and balance with ourselves, which is, I think, really good. When we, when we talk about breaking patterns and then moving forward, make a plan for yourself. So if you, if you're on the end that you're like, I want to break this pattern. So again, we're talking about different people. Maybe there's somebody who's been cheated on and this is not a pattern for them. Their recovery is going to look very different than somebody who, as you said, like repeatedly are finding themselves attracted to the same type of individual and experiencing sexual betrayal. So this, this part where I'm talking about right now is for that person um, that maybe is in the same pattern and they want to kind of move forward make a plan for yourself. Like, how are you going to make changes? Um, and what are you going to do for yourself? So that's really important because then you, you're taking ownership, you're taking responsibility. Like this is something I don't want to occur again. This is how I'm going to take steps to make it different. This is my plan to make it different and let people know that you're doing that again, going back to a, a supportive social support network. If you have friends or even a therapist, like let them know, like you guys, I, I'm going to make some changes. And if you see me, you know, falling back into a pattern or if I, if I say something, if I say X, Y, and Z, and you hear me saying that, like, tell me to take a breather and reflect back to me. I want you guys to help me. I need you to help me. So have people check in with you. And then lastly, I would say set ideas about who you want to attract. Again, going back to that idea that I said, like, think about if you're that person, but moving forward, like be really clear with yourself about like who who are you looking to attract in your life and uh, how how might you bring about that change in yourself first rather than just looking outwards for it. Thank you so much for this recommendations. I, I was taking notes because some of them are like such an interesting way of like different way of thinking about it. I, I, I tell my clients about journaling, but writing it with a mm -hmm. non-dominant hand is very interesting. So I think like our yeah. listeners, yeah, got great tools. Go ahead. Go, go home and try. I mean, I, it's like a fun thing because it just, it does, it engages your brain differently. And don't think about what you're writing, just like do just like a stream of consciousness. And it just, you know, I, my thought is, is like, especially as a therapist, I always tell my clients, like, 
I'm going to throw tools out for you. You know, try it. If it works, put it in your tool belt. If it doesn't work, you know, throw it out in the garbage can, like just be done with it. So I just always think like, and that's kind of why I said in the beginning, some things are going to work for people. Some things aren't. Some people are going to experience some things and some people won't, you know, and so we have to just try it. We have to try. We reached the end of our show, but I want to make sure our listeners, they know about the wonderful retreat that you're uh, hosting. And I mentioned the introduction, but Piper, and I genuinely mean that you always have this very thoughtful, insightful workshops. I attended your trainings and I felt, oh, wow, it's like more like the more meaningful than it's just not a work on surface. So please tell Uh us our listeners about the retreat. Well, firstly, I just want to thank you for that. That touches me and I, I will put that in my pocket and hold that because I think you do know me personally. You know that I am so passionate about my work. I love my work. I love the work that I do. I am very passionate and, and feel like it's an honor, truly an honor to work with people through some very difficult times in their life and, and, and working through people, working with people through betrayal, especially it's, it's like I say, it's an honor to be able to sit with people and that, and to have them trust me. So what is, what's kind of evolved through time is as I sit with my clients in the room and by the room in my office, I mean, in, in the therapy room, we get to a certain stage in recovery after sexual betrayal where it's like, you know, I need to be like movement and by movement, like they physically need to move and they need like emotional movement, right? We've talked about the chaos. We've talked about everything else, but like, then how do you re-engage with yourself? How do you get back into your sexuality? How do you get back into you? Um, and for couples as well, like how do we get back to being connected? How do we get back to this intimacy? And so I've developed these retreats in Bali, Indonesia, where I actually, I uh, grew up there as an expat. And and Bali is this amazing place for anybody that hasn't been. It just has this uh, intrinsic feeling of healing and support there. And so I developed these retreats for women who've experienced sexual betrayal and then for couples who have gone through sexual betrayal. And it's really an opportunity. It's not for early, early stages. It's not like, okay, we've just discovered and now let's go, but it's for like you know, we've decided to stay together and or not stay together. If it's the individual, you can come and if you're in relationship or not in relationship. And uh, it's just, an, it's an opportunity to indulge. Really, it's in a beautiful location. It's very small. Uh, we do cultural activities, but I do workshops and didactic experiences every single day. And it's just about re-engaging with self and sexuality and, and intimacy with, with your person, whether that be you or somebody else. And I'll make sure I leave a website information in show notes. Even our listeners, if they feel they are in early uh, stages right now, it's good to have that in mind for future yeah. because I feel like I've seen some pictures from the website and <laughs> and from the presentation you had a while ago. And I feel like I want to go. <laughs> Come over and visit me. Like... <laughs> I'd love to have you come visit. (laughs) Thank you. And thank you so much for your time and sharing your wisdom with us. Thank you. I really appreciated it. And I hope everybody enjoyed listening. All right. Have a great day. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Dr. Piper Grant. If you experienced sexual betrayal in the past or struggling with it in your relationship presently, I want you to know you're not alone. I was looking at this research and one study found that at least one or both parties in 50% of all couple married and living together, straight and gay, will engage in either emotional betrayal or sexual betrayal throughout their 
their relationship. Unfortunately, this is a very common experience and it's important for us to kind of explore our emotions and as Dr. Grant mentioned, to reach out and engage our social support and do whatever it takes for us to heal this wound. And I know we talked about uh, post-traumatic growth in the previous session. So even it's a possibility for you to become stronger because of the experience of sexual betrayal. At the end, I wanted to say, if you like this show, please show us some love by leaving an honest review in iTunes and Stitcher. I would love to hear your feedback and I'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to Sexology Podcast. For more great content, visit www.sexologypodcast.com. Please be advised that information presented on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health provider.